0: Welcome back, everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Bell, aka Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I am super excited to bring to with us today is Gretchen Harrow. She is the EFT trainer from the Chicago Center for EFT. And she's a licensed marriage and family therapist and has a private practice in a suburb of Chicago. And I'm so excited that we get to have her on our show today. And we are going to be talking about attunement. (laughs) Yes, yes, that word that we use at all of our trainings and is common to the EFT language and attachment. But you know, as some of you guys have figured out, it's not quite as simple and smooth and easy as we would all like it to be all the time. So that's why we're going to uh, make this video. So Gretchen, thank
1: you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I've been a, a watcher of your videos for a long time. So it's fun to finally be here. So thanks. Absolutely. So if you could go ahead, maybe start us off with sort of giving everyone an idea of what do we mean when we use the word attunement. Like, what the heck is that? I know I was thinking about that. Like when you look it up, like in the dictionary, there's like not a great definition. So I was like, what do we mean by that? And the first thing that came to my mind was resonating. And then like, well, what does resonating mean? And it's like when you're with another person. It's getting to a place where you are feeling what the other person is feeling and you are getting it, not just in your brain cognitively, but it's a felt sense in your body that then the person that you're with, whether it's a client or a friend, that that person has a sense of, oh, you get it. And -hmm. it's almost like it can relax a little bit. It's like, I'm not alone with whatever I have anymore. There's another person in the world who's like... And you can just kind of take that sigh because you feel felt. You feel like someone's there yeah. with you. Um, yeah. And it's part of you know what we do in EFT, it's being accessible, responsive, and engaged. So that's some of maybe some behaviors that we put with that, but it's 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 an embodied feeling that you have and that the other person has. I love what you're saying. So let
0: me let me think about so when you're defining attunement, what sort of comes to my mind is I think of like a radio or, okay, because my brain thinks in images and (laughs) and movies. So I think of like a radio or a TV, like those old-fashioned ones with the knob where you had to like tweak the dial to tune in to a channel to pick up a signal. So it's like the art of somebody tuning in to another, to their signals, to their cues, to their clues, to their vibe, their emotion, and to pick up what they're trying to transmit, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, even just that motion, it's just, sometimes it's just the slightest things that people, that the indications that they give can be so small. And if we're preoccupied, if we're not attentive to them, we're going to miss them. Yeah. So there's, and we'll, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about like, how do you, how do you attune to somebody? But certainly there's a, a focused attention that's part of it so that you can tune in and, and find those little micro moves that people have. I sort of feel
0: like attunement lays on the line of like sort of some advanced nuanced social skills, like the art of tuning into the social cues around you and paying attention to them and making sure that picking up what's being laid down basically you know yeah yeah exactly very much that that might be a funny way of thinking about it but you know why is it important that we have good attunement not just as therapists we'll maybe share why it's important as humans but also as therapists
1: yeah yeah so uh, so starting with therapists if it's we are inviting clients to go to a vulnerable places to tender places and places maybe that they've never told anyone. And if they don't feel like we're paying attention or we're not getting it, we're not going to be safe. And they're, they're just not going to say things to us. They're not going to go to those places where there can be real healing. If they don't feel a, our attunement with them, if they don't feel felt by us. Mm. So clinically that's true. And you know, that's one of the, I, I know, you know, that's one of the things about EFT that's so amazing is that we learn it to help our clients, but it comes in, into all of our relationships, whether it's the, the people that we're closest to, or even, you know, the people that you meet it, as you're going about your day. It, it kind of reminds me, I hadn't planned to say this, but I was I was on the phone the other day with a call center. I was trying to pay a bill, website wasn't working. So I called. And so this woman in a medical billing, you know, she's used to people who are in a hurry, who are rushed and impatient. And so she's like apologizing to me over and over. I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I make a lot of mistakes. And without really even thinking about it, but just kind of knowing what it's like for people in call centers, she said, oh, I make a lot of mistakes and just, I just said, I bet you get a lot more things right than wrong and she just felt seen and she's like you made my day and I'm thinking that was so easy that I made your day but she had a sense of oh here's someone who's not like feeling annoyed with me or just trying to get past me but who has a sense of what it's like to work in a call center yeah so that's an everyday example of, it's it's almost like just kindness but kindness comes when you're tuned into somebody
0: feels good that people really see us and understand our experiences and, and our vantage point, but also that they would see what I like about tumor is really like seeing, seeing the best in people or, or yeah, finding the, the tenderness or the, the gentleness, the compassionate stance from their vantage point, you know, which is is a good human skill, a good people skill to have, to tune into people around you. You know, I hear people, you know, clients often talk about being socially awkward. And, you know, I find attunement is one of those things that can be quite low is the ability to really just tune into others and just sort of, you know, I find like half the battle is just that discomfort with just looking and and tuning you know and then the other part is how do you make sense out of what you see you know but I love also what you're saying about being a therapist and you know hopefully a lot of you guys are seeing therapists yes your therapist should be having a therapist because you know we want to also stay mentally fit and healthy just like hopefully your doctor is going to see a doctor too (laughs) you know but you know I've had therapists in the past where it's like you know I know that I need to share something that's really deep and personal. But if I feel like, you know, they're not really tracking and like actually tune into my experience, and I'm saying something and they're responding back with a statement that feels like they're way out in left field. I'm like, why would I even go deeper with you when you're not going to catch me there? You're not going to see me. You're not going to understand me. Like,
1: that's not going to be a good experience at all. You're going to feel trapped, most likely, if you go there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah there's an element of just remembering and holding in our minds this is another human mm-hmm. and they have the you know, concerns like I do they have worries like I do they have joys like I do and it's looking for that humanity maybe underneath some very defensive or critical or you know all the moves that they have to survive in the world like what's what's underneath that and believing that there's something there is a piece of it
0: well an attachment helps us know that there's something there more than than what we see on the surface, like I always say that behavior is like the tell, you know, there's something deeper, you know, if you're, like, if you're looking at a tree, the leaves are the tell about what's growing at the roots. You know, if you see the leaves in disease state, then, you know, an arborist is going to know, hey, you might have some tree bark disease or this or that, you know, so it's just like, let's go and cut off all the leaves, you know. So it's super important. And, and I know some, some folks can, it it can be a struggle to really see what's underneath. And, you know, I, I've heard some therapists also, and and I've struggled with this, you know, in my early days as well, sort of this myth that, you know, because couples therapy, you have two people now that you need to tune in and catch and see and understand. And, you know, I guess, you know, there was this belief that if you're tuning into one partner, then the other one's going to feel like, oh, my gosh, you're you're whoa, that's scary. You're seeing them. And and that means you're not. And, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Could you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah. Well, that's a big part of our work in the beginning, right, of building the alliance of of letting both people know I'm hearing you. I'm on the side of your relationship. And even making the invitations to someone and saying, "If you ever feel like I'm siding with your partner, I hope that you will tell me, because that means I need to shift how I'm engaging with you." And you know, early days, it's also just that intentional shift back and forth of making sure you don't spend too time, too much time with one person, because that's in that way she's always talking to them. The other person might start to feel like, "Yeah, you're not getting me." So it's it's a balance, especially in the early days. And also the invitation of let me know if you feel like you're not being heard, basically.
0: Yeah. I wonder if part of it comes from, you know, when we're first really learning EFT, part of one of the things that we really focus on is being able to have two truths and to see both. And I think that's hard for humans in general to realize that just because you have pain, you know, and I, as the therapist, am tuning into your partner's pain and seeing and understanding, you know, attuning to them and being with them doesn't negate or cancel out or take away from your pain and your reality. And there is space for both. And and attuning to them is not saying, oh, you're totally right. And your truth is totally wrong. It's not, that's not it
1: at all. No, it's not. And that's another thing we can be so explicit about to say, as we're hearing one person and we're aware of the reaction that the other person is having, We can we can say very directly, I know that you have a different perspective on this. And I want to hear from you too. I just want to finish over here so we can cue them of like, I know, I see you. And yeah be very explicit about that. So people can, okay, I can take a breath. I can wait another minute or two while you listen to my partner, even though I have so much to say that I need you to hear right now. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So really just reassuring you guys that, you know, when you have multiple people in the therapy room, you know, the art of tuning into one and and you tune into both and, and sort of the vibe of the couple as well. But, being with one doesn't mean that you're dropping the other or negating their experience. So, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. we've got to hold both.
1: And so you so, and that's part of the challenge, right? So we have to be talking to one, but be checking, right? You just visually, how is the other person doing or what vibe or are they moving uncomfortably, you know, to let us know, okay, I need to switch over pretty quickly here. Or uh, we can't focus so much that we're, we're missing, Seeing those nonverbals. So, if it's okay with you,
0: let's sort of like maybe explore, unpack sort of what attunement requires from us. And again, if you're a regular person on the street, like a, you know, someone looking for a therapist or just wanting to improve, you're certainly welcome. You know, had a lot of wonderful everyday folks find their way onto my podcast and like, Oh, I think EFT is for me, you know, and that's wonderful. And and they found EFT therapists. This is geared mainly towards therapists, but this part is for everybody, you know, to the art of tuning into somebody, like, what does that really require of a human, a therapist to, to tune in, pick up, you know, before and we'll, we'll talk like second half about what to do with the information that you pick up, but how do you actually like do attunement, <laughs> like
1: yeah. on, on the tuning inside? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what, so as I'm also, I'm also thinking about is you're thinking if people are, potential clients thinking what how do i know if this is a person who can attune i often encourage people to get a phone call with the potential therapist and maybe talk to a couple different ones just so on that phone call do i feel like this person is listening to to me do they have time to talk to me even if it's just for five minutes Mm -hmm. yeah and so so part of it
0: is like even if you're trying to tune into your partner like learning skills of attunement better for betterment of your relationships like yeah Hard. you know, especially if people would try themselves as like socially awkward you know this, this eye contact is eye contact part of attunement
1: well it probably depends on culture right what what is normal for where you what you've learned along the way but i I think again in a really basic way, I go back to what I taught my my sons when they were little and not I felt like I felt like they were not listening to me I would say, I need you to listen with your whole body. Mm -hmm. And so what that meant was don't be doing something else. Don't be looking away or trying to get away from me, but like, let's be in the same place and turn toward each other. And so we can have a sense of I am attending to you. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely that piece of when people are yelling at each other from other parts of the room or just even having a conversation so quickly, it can escalate because they're not tuned in. They're not totally hearing each other or they're starting to react, but they don't see the other reaction. So yeah, eye contact, contact, and presence in the same type space is really important. Um, I'm sure you've heard and people who are watching have heard so many times the argument between a couple that begins on texts because we say things on text that we wouldn't necessarily say out loud or there's so much shorthand that happens that people misunderstand each other and it's like your mood
0: may be likely to filter you know the tone of message that's
1: just typed. right or or your mood and how you see what maybe has been typed in a very calm neutral way but you see it differently because it's it's always
0: kind of funny if you have someone read you a text like you can always tell how they interpret
1: it by the tone in which they (laughs) Absolutely. So there's so much context that's lost mm-hmm. when you only have the words, right? It's just not enough. So yeah, to be able to tune in, whether it's a partner or to a client or to a child, it's attending with your whole that's that's one of the things I think about. Um attending with your whole body.
0: Yeah. You said something that's really important. I love what you said about the eye contact thing and it it sort of brought up something for me. You were saying, you know, it sort of depends on the culture. And, you know, maybe it might be helpful to clarify. I think when I mean eye contact, especially if you're someone who describes yourself as socially awkward, like, you know, you don't like to lock eyes with somebody. Eye contact doesn't necessarily mean needing to lock eyes with somebody. So not like, yeah, yeah. I mean, though, to be able to meet somebody's eyes and, and see them with your own is powerful. It's important for our mirror neurons, but. I think it's the eye contact is also just seeing, you know, being able part of that listening isn't just with your ears; it's with your eyes. Like if, you know, it it we were saying like, you know, if if couples from another room or they're doing something else, it's like when you're trying to tune into something, let's go back to like a TV program, you know, if you're not really watching, if you're not tuned in, if you're doing something else, they may make a gesture or do something that's silent, that's not using words that if you're not watching with your eyes, you won't be able to pick it up, you know? So, and and micro expressions that might be contained in the silence or the silence itself, the body language, you know, the maybe the avoidance of eye contact all of those are part of tuning in and it's again those are signals mm. that want to pick up on it's like when you look when you tune in when you see focus attend which could also be another word for paying attention to what's happening right what what do you see when you tune into the program in front of you the person you know
1: yeah and it is attending a right when it's when it's someone's big emotion we we are tending to them and and helping hold something that maybe they haven't been able to hold by themselves so mm-hmm. For sure. now i'm
0: imagining if i'm a person even a therapist if i'm a person because <laughs> i really okay. i knew
1: there was more to that <laughs> sentence but i'm a person blah,
0: blah, blah, blah. i'm a regular person non-therapist but even like a therapist i know that that Key phrase that you said, big emotion sometimes feels so scary. And it's like people are like, oh, like I don't want to tune into that. So I guess it would be what could be the cost of not when, when something feels so uncomfortable, we, we feel like
1: I want to go away from it. What could be the cost of doing that? Well, the first one that comes to my mind is it, it comes out. It just comes out sideways. So we might be hurt and sad that our partner says something to us, but if we don't say it, whether they think it's not, you think it's not that big of a deal, I need to just get over it, or I don't want to talk about it because it never goes well, and we don't say anything, it's going to come out some other way, some a, a verbal jab somehow, or that withdrawal. Our, our partner is going to know it, Right. But if if we're able to like like in, in a therapeutic setting to be able to make space for that and validate that and help a person feel heard, then it like it can dissipate. The repair can be made. We can help our clients make that repair because we've tuned into that. It becomes more tolerable for them. It helps the client the partner tolerate it, and then we can then they can. You know, over time, we get to that place where they can provide that relief for each other. Of like, oh, my partner gets me. I get attached securely now to my partner. And that's that's the goal, right?
0: You know, I st- I start to think about you know like this idea of big emotion and how some folks you know can become very uncomfortable around big emotion and how that can block become a block to tuning into somebody. I'm wondering if part of it's because people feel like they have to do something to it or they don't know how to respond to it, what what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we'll we'll go a little bit more deeply into what to do with the information you receive. I'm thinking like the art of attunement, you know, as a a way of responding with your whole body by giving your focused attention without even necessarily S- saying words like I think the first step of
1: attunement doesn't always involve words, yeah. So I, I noticed myself as you were talking, I just started nodding, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. that, is that like, yes, what you're saying makes sense to me? We give that nonverbal, I'm with you, say more, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: how many times do people come to our office and complain? that their partner is not tuned in and the things that they give as examples are totally not anything done with words it's body language right so it's like my partner's looking somewhere else or they're looking at their phone or you know they talk to me but they're looking at my forehead and not at my eyes and you know like just all kinds of different ways that it shows up you know so it's like even before we get to the to the way of responding with words, I think the basic starting point of responding, letting somebody know you're tuned in is like a felt bodily expression of, I have your attention. Does
1: that make yeah. sense? <sighs> yeah. So I think it's a very embodied thing, right? If if we're staying in our heads with someone, we might say, oh, that was a good conversation. But if there's a tender thing that you're holding and not feeling able to share you're going to leave that saying yeah but i i still i'm still alone with this i i haven't that person doesn't really know me and maybe maybe and maybe you might draw the conclusion of like that's not a person who's interested in that part of me so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep a protective distance yeah 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 that that's that's so important you know, I want to actually want to go back to something you said of people have discomfort with big emotion. And I think there are, I'm sure you've discovered this with some of your supervisees. We have therapists who are often uncomfortable with big emotions or with or with clients feeling uncomfortable, like they want to step in and kind of relieve that discomfort. Yeah. And so, so one of the tasks that we as therapists have is to discover the places where we are uncomfortable mm-hmm. and get curious about that. Because otherwise our work is gonna kind of stall out a, a little bit because we we can't take clients to that uncomfortable place so that they can come out the other side. So Yeah, because it can be easy to
0: tune in and stay with someone when they're sharing something that feels compelling or just naturally pulls you in like a gooey Hallmark movie, you know, mm-hmm. but there's other kinds of emotions and again what someone may be uncomfortable with of course, can vary from person to person, but big emotion, you know, I've seen people, you know, feel really uncomfortable around like sadness, you know, or, you know, anger is one of those ones. Like if somebody is sharing something or emitting a signal that feels like, whoa, you know, kind of icky or scary, yeah, or big or loud, then it's like, how do I be with that person? It's, It's like... I wonder if people feel like, do, do they feel like they need to protect
1: themselves somehow and that can block them from tuning in if it gets big? Yeah, yeah. And whether it's the therapist protecting themselves from a, a client who's angry with them, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know anybody who likes that or is like, yay, my client got mad at me today, or if they just see their their client is just so distressed like they, they want to lighten that load. And so maybe they'll switch and talk to the partner. But that's just the moment when the opportunity is to stay stay there. So yeah. they rush in the fix-it mode or something. Yeah, yeah. Because of their own discomfort. And that's a place where, you know, self-therapist stuff is so important. It's like, what did what did the therapist learn about emotions as a kid? What was okay? What was not okay? What was, yeah. You know, so that's that's where tuning in. And includes, like you're saying, doing your work, whether it's with a therapist or a mentor or whomever, of where am I getting blocked myself so that I, because I can't, if I can't go there, I can't, my clients aren't going to go there.
0: I guess maybe what comes up for me is maybe like a thought of dispelling some myths about attunement right there is that if somebody is sharing something, like let's just say a person is angry with me and they're, showing big, angry emotion that feels really uncomfortable. But, you know, I'm hearing that tuning in and being with them could be very helpful, you know, for the benefit of the relationship. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, it's my mind might go to if if I'm tuning in, does that somehow mean I'm taking punches or that? I'm agreeing with what they're saying and, you know, if I don't agree or it feels hurtful that I need to protect myself though. So that means I can't tune in and pick up what they're putting down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind as you say that I'm actually remembering a client who was very mean to a partner in session. And in those moments, I think we do need to lean in and say, that is not okay to use that kind of language here. I have to block. And so I would block something like that. Mm Yeah, that was the first thing that came to my mind. But I think it's it's where the best we're able to lean in and and you know validate. I see that you're angry. This is really important to you. It makes a lot of sense. I I and then and then I came in my own mind, I almost feel that what we feel sometimes is like, uh, and what do I do now? But then it's when you have to tune in and say, What's going on for me? And and what's going on for my client? And there is a human who is upset. Is this their normal strategy? Is this what they do? And now now they're doing it with me and now I'm in a cycle with, so it's, it's like moving through my own big reaction because I don't like it when people are mad at me, but there's a reason. And what's the reason? And what's the hurting human underneath this anger? What's going on for them? And can I have the presence to take a breath if I need it, mm-hmm. not drop them? Yeah, it's quite a, a complicated dance sometimes, isn't it?
0: But that's what you're saying is really good because what I kind of hear again is that attunement, picking up what someone's laying down and and focusing and attending to it, isn't the same as as agreeing with something or taking hurtful behavior. I I think that you would only even be able to understand that if you were attuning, right? Like right. I can tune in and I can hear what you're saying. I can I can pick up that you're angry that your body is. You know, getting like aroused with with anxious energy or angry energy or or whatever emotion it is. I can see your you know skin turning flush, you know whatever. I I can see that your eyes are pointing downwards. You know, I can hear the tone of your voice change. Like all those things, okay. you know, in is like it's like information. You're you're picking up information signals that's being laid down. It's not the same as saying, I agree, or the way that you're transmitting it is okay. It's just saying, there's a transmission here. Here's what I'm picking up in the transmission, transmission received, you know. Got your message. yeah. Yeah. It feels like the more tuned in you are, the more you're able to maybe accurately pick up what the you know with with better with better accuracy the information that is being laid down and maybe have more flexibility or yeah discernment with what to do how to properly respond to the
1: information that is being given yeah 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 i think that's right as you're tuning in with that other person and i'm thinking and it it varies depending on, is this your first session and they are really mad at you? Probably not. People usually save that for a few sessions or many sessions later. But pay attention, like try to get the whole picture. And and if something, what it makes me think of right in the moment is that sometimes something happens between the client in front of you and it happens so fast and suddenly there's a big reaction and they're having at it with each other and you're like, what in the world has happened? Right? And so that's when Recording is so important. You can go back and you can see the nonverbal. You can hear the tone of voice, or you can you, you can see one partner's nonverbal reaction to what the other one said. And he said, "Oh, that's where it happened. Something's going on right there. I need to get curious with them about that moment." To, so, because because sometimes we're not tuned in. We're just like, I, "What just happened here?" Mm-hmm. Right? at the end of a session, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, that was hard." Mm-hmm. And so, what do we do with those moments? Is you know, we hopefully have a recording, or we've got some friends we can talk about. Some therapists that that are like we call them study buddies in Chicago. Like I'm always encouraging people find your find your your little group of one or two people that you talk about your clients with, where you get the permission from a client to do consult get some consulting on it and look at your videos. I I had one of those meetings this morning with some some friends of mine and. Wow, that's really helpful when you're not tuned in and you've missed something. Mm -hmm. And it sounds
0: like also maybe it's important to say, hey, let's be compassionate with each other, guys, because we're not always going to catch every bit of information that flies past us (laughs) because people can be giving so many things and, you know, from even just one single person. And then if there's multiple people, in your therapy room or in your social situation, it can become even harder, you know, cause there's multiple things to attend to. Yeah. Then you sort of have to decide, you know, sort of a decision-making tree. What's, what's the first order of attending who do I attend to first and what's the most important and prioritizing. So it's okay guys, if you miss some things, you know, and that leads, no, you- we all do it no matter
1: what level yeah. you're at, right. You
0: miss stuff. I miss stuff. We go back yeah. and figure it out. Yeah. So that's the second part is, so, okay, so if we're tuning in and we're trying to pick up the information signals, how do we understand or make sense out of, like, how do we interpret the information that's being transmitted? Like, what are all, what all are
1: we in on? That's a good question. Well, I think we always have to come with a stance of curiosity, especially as we're getting to know a couple, we don't know, Right. Gonna until- tell everyone
0: why curiosity is like our go-to stance. Any of because
1: because we because we well, if we think we know it all, we're not going to be attuned. We're going to be like you're feeling sad, you're feeling disappointed, and people are like, "That's not how I feel." Right. They may feel like so, about- so- judged, <laughs> yeah, or like you're not listening, you don't get me. But if but curiosity comes with the conjectures, right, where. I'm noticing something. I'm wondering what's going on with you. And I, I say this a lot. I could be wrong. I could be going down the wrong trail, but I'm wondering if. Mm, yeah. you're feeling, you know, that you're feeling disappointed, that you're feeling dismissed. And the stance of openness. The stance of openness. And when uh, it's... Sorry things, to chase us down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'll yeah, have conversations. go. Mm. One of the things that I do to tune in in the session is when when a client makes a gesture like I was, I was trying to think of an example to give it's one a, a person was saying it's all on me and she was pointing at her shoulders and we, you know repetition is one of the things we do and so I repeated her words it's all on you i also repeated her gesture when i did that it's all on you and that's a way for me to bring her experience into my body and so when I do the gesture, I'm thinking. My eyes go up. My clients know if I'm looking at the ceiling, I'm thinking it's all on me. And I'm like, "Does that feel heavy?" And she's, if I ask because it's a question, it gives my client space to say yes or no. But if if I'm really tuned in, she be, she'll be like, "Yes, it's very heavy." And then we've just advanced a little bit in her experience. She knows I'm getting her but it's that reflection of the words, the physicality, and me pausing and really imagining what that's like, bringing it into my body. That then, you know, sometimes that that word comes up and it's, sometimes it's not a word they connect with, but sometimes it's just the right word that they didn't have in mind two seconds before, I didn't have in mind two seconds before. It's, you know, it's not magic, but it's that truth of when we are really attuned We can put a word on it, put an experience on it, then our clients feel felt and we've taken the process just a little bit closer to what's really going on here and how can now then I help you partner feel the heaviness Mm. since feeling because Mm. she feels like it's all on her. Yeah. So it
0: kind of feels like in some way you're saying being able to come in with curiosity Also, I'm thinking I'm just a regular non-therapist person trying to, again, improve social situations. And even for therapists in session, I think it's just a handy social skill. Yeah. Like coming in with curiosity sort of frees me from feeling like I have to accurately assume or understand exactly what information signals are being transmitted by somebody rather than just understanding that there are information signals being transmitted and to be able to pick up on what kinds of signals are being sent and then to say, oh, I know. it's like with curiosity, we don't have to like, oh, I think you're really pissed because you're doing this or you're doing that, or you must be sad. You know, somebody has a tear, but it could be a tear of sadness. You know, it could be a tear, could be a tear of joy, not all it's tears. Are sadness. Right? But yeah, angry tears, you know? So it's like, you don't have to automatically know what the signal means. It's just pick up on the fact that there's a signal, which just lets somebody know you're with me because you're paying attention to the fact right. that I'm sending signals and you care enough to check it out and to notice, which is huge for people. And so, Coming in with curiosity is like frees me from feeling like I have to know exactly what that signal means. Like, oh, I know that you're making a gesture with your hand or you shrugged your eyes or you did this, but I have no idea what that means. It's like, that's okay. <laughs> Get curious. Yeah. So, you know, hey, I noticed that you, honey, you shrugged your shoulders right there and you sort of look down at the floor. Can you tell me what that
1: means? <laughs> you know, that. exactly. And so as a therapist, we can be knowledgeable about the model. So we know. Like I tend to think, I know I'm looking for sad, scared, shame, joy, maybe, but I, I know what I'm looking for. I don't know the particular words and like you say, the particular cues that this client has to tell me, but I know I'm looking for things in those categories of emotion. So yeah. I so that kind of funnels my, my conjectures into certain places but I still want to learn and be curious about the unique experience of this person, this couple, this family. Yeah. And then they feel that, that we're not putting them in a box, but we want to know them uniquely. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like that.
0: And I think, you know, too what you're saying is, it's not just the the content of the words that someone might be saying that is the it's not a single thing that we're listening for or picking up on it's body language you know the way they may shift their stance or their gait the facial expressions especially if it's a culture that isn't verbally emotive but you know uses more micro expressions you may have to rely more on the information from body language but also it's It's also like the tone of somebody's voice. And I know Polly Vagel talks about that. What's fascinating is it says, you know, people, and and you'll hear clients talk about this also. And and you've probably experienced this as a person is like somebody will say one thing like, no, I'm not no, I'm not angry, but their tone of their voice says something completely different. And you're like, well, I don't believe that at all because I'm getting all these other signals. So it's a mixed signal. So polyvagal science says, you know, we can mask, try to, we can give mixed signals from other parts of our, you know, body or, or language that communicates, but the tone of your voice is the dead giveaway. Every single, it's the only unambiguous cue of danger or safety, according to our brain, which is fascinating because it's true. You know, when someone says, I'm fine, you know, but they they like change that tone of their voice and you're like, "Mm, I'm not buying what you're selling. Yeah, yeah,
1: so much. Yeah. And the our voice the voice also tells us how much a person is feeling. Like I'm I always am teaching people pay attention to the pace and register that a person is speaking and if they're fast and high, not in a vulnerable space. If they're slowing down and the voice is in a lower register, mm-hmm. they might be in a place of discovery or a place of tenderness. And so, pay attention to to, to how, like to what you're saying, that those verbal cues to say, "Okay, if I'm wanting to get to a tender place, we are not there yet," right? Yeah. Or we that person is maybe they're not moving, but the voice has changed. And it's like, oh, there's something here. What can I? What can I find that's going to help us? Mm-hmm get to our goal of connection.
0: And this may sound funny. Like I've had people who often feel like misunderstood, like they, they notice that people are attuning to them, but they feel like they're always misunderstanding them. And, you know, so in exploring it, it's like, it, it seems to be a reoccurring pattern of the outside world picking up or, or, you know, interpreting the same cue. And so I say, you know, maybe the attunement we need to work on is the self-attunement, right? If you are genuinely feeling happy, but, you know, maybe you, or someone who'd say, I have RBF, (laughs) you know, right? I say RGF, resting grump face, you know, something where it's like, people assume you're angry when you're not, then, you know, I would say like, Go to the mirror or, you know, do an exercise with a friend where you start practicing, making sure what you're transmitting outwardly matches what's happening inwardly. Because sometimes we've not really focused on our tuned into ourselves to make sure that we are giving clear signals to the outside world, which can help when people are trying to tune into us and so that we can avoid. You know, at least on our end help as much as possible to avoid people misreading our cues. Is that
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I'm thinking, I don't know that I've ever actually said this to a client, but I know I've said to like friends, like when they're happy, I'm like, tell your face. Yeah. You're basically you're happy, right? Or my my husband was watching me talk to somebody once, and he he told me later like my my tone was kind of monotone until some point in the conversation when I smiled, and he's like that changed it. He's like you need to smile more when you're on the phone, and I'm like well that's weird, but it's like it, it like transmitted to my voice and sounded more cheerful to the person on the other end. So
0: and it's amazing how something as simple as that can affect. You know, it's like I'm I'm happy, but. My face is not saying I'm happy and the tone of my voice might be
1: following. And then you smile and it's like you can hear it in the tone of voice. Yeah. And there's also a piece of like training and culture and the environment you grow up in that influences that. I was speaking with a colleague who grew up in a a former Soviet Union space and she was saying she was speaking about herself and she was saying people who have grown up in that place. Have learned to be guarded with and just not show much, and so there's a survival element, like she was describing. Of you just don't do that, and it's not she. She she was reacting to something somebody else said, and she said it's not because we're stoic. We're not stoic, but we are guarded, and mm-hmm. so there's good. Re- know your cards. <laughs> yeah, so there's good reason why some why people have learned not to show on their faces what they're feeling. But, but buddy, I I use a biggest uh, term for that because.
0: Oh, showing your cards because we have professional right. poker players and, and I'll say like I've had some that don't yeah. yeah, they don't fit into the you know, I don't I don't want to say like every single poker player is this way professional poker like, players. It's, it's play like coffee, a poker face, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're trained because if you give a motion, it can give someone oh, she, to to what's what, say what it? are your
1: towels that you have a good hand or a bad hand, right? Yeah. Show it. Right? So there are reasons and environments where that's probably a really good thing. But with our our loved ones, with the person that we want to be close with, it's a strategy that's not working. And so one of the things we do as therapists, and I'll say this, I'm sure you have as well to clients to say, keep that strategy out there in the outside world. You need that. You know, we talk about like first responders, they need that not to let those emotions get activated when they're on the job, but with your partner, with the people that you love, with your friends, well, let's can can we find a strategy that's going to help you feel closer closer to them, help them feel closer to you? So yeah, strategy and like where you're doing that, it's
0: so like Seems about so flexibility. You're saying, yeah,
1: right? Right. we're not saying. This particular strategy is bad all the
0: time because clearly there's a function utility for it. It's just saying like we don't want to be a one-trick pony because it's not gonna help us survive in every single situation. Like knowing your audience, knowing your situation, you know, you need to be able to be flexible to adjust. And I think that brings up another important aspect of attunement that I didn't even think about before is tuning into your surroundings. And, you know, like the social situation, you know, like the way that I tune in and communicate to my boss, I'm going to tune in and adjust maybe the cues I give or the way I communicate differently than if I was at home communicating with my spouse or to my toddler. Yeah,
1: right. And power is part of that. If there's a power differential, you're going to present yourself differently than where you're the person in power, or you're with an equal. Yeah, we modify all the time. So yeah, it's that flexibility, which is so much of what we to work with with our clients because they've come into our sessions with when it's a couple with a rigid strategy or an individual you know this is how we operate families we we get into this place and it's not working anymore because our strategy is rigid yeah yeah, i'm so glad you mentioned the word flexibility because that's such a big part of what people get to and i know we we have to start winding
0: down but before we do i'm wondering if we could maybe quickly talk about some things that might block attunement. I mean, I know we mentioned like big emotion, like our own discomfort with things could become a block inside of us, but what other kinds of things
1: could block us from tuning in? Yeah. So I was thinking of, again, some of it is is our own stuff. I think it often blocks our attunement, whether it's a previous session that was hard and took a lot out of us. Maybe we're not quite ready for this next one. And so sometimes that's a scheduling thing, not being overscheduled so that we have the emotional, mental energy to tune in with a client. But <laughs> What's that? Fatigue. Yeah. Fatigue is real or burnout is real. Like when was the last time you took some time off? Another, I was talking with someone just yesterday who has a very angry client and this therapist had a very angry parent. And so the client reminds the therapist of the parent. And so the client, the therapist gets a little dysregulated in the presence of this client. So it can be our own history with emotion. Sometimes it's also like the pressure we put on ourselves, like I have to get to an enactment because I'm supposed to, or I have to complete the tango because I'm supposed to, or Someone told me yesterday, I'm the third therapist, and if if I can't help them, then I don't know what's going to happen to them. We take on too much responsibility for a client's story than is ours to take. Or uh, I, I'm working with someone now who was like, I wouldn't come to therapy, but my a, a mutual friend of yours and mine referred me to you, so here I am. And but emotions are crap, and <laughs> and I was like, okay, that feels like pressure right? Like I have to make something happen fast and that's, I'm not going to do my best work
0: when I'm under pressure. Um, yeah. I think it too, like when we're first learning EFT, like, you know, our brain has to do two process. One, we have to try to be present and, and, you know, attuned to what's happening. But then our brain is also trying to stay in the model and figure out like, where am I in the steps and stages? And I got to find my footing, you know? And, and so part of your brain gets busy. So it's hard to be, fully present. And, you know, like you said, fatigue, burnout, and and I'll say another big one out there can be some of our neurodiversity. I mean, you know, I've ADHD. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, because, you know, sometimes what blocks my attunement isn't, you know, like, I don't necessarily lack the desirability to tune in. It's a, I'm also like, my brain is busy constantly. So it's like, I'm here, and I'm there, and I'm everywhere. And so not Fully being here, you know, which is a hallmark symptom of someone with ADHD and and other things as well. It's like we're always out of body and out of moment, and that can make it hard to pick up right what's in front of you. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to say, but what helps you in those moments when you realize, oh, I'm here, there, everywhere? How are you? I catch it.
0: I recognize, oh, I'm like in the next moment, or I'm thinking about this, come back. Like, you know, there's times where sometimes I'll catch it in session. It's like, I just pop out and I'm thinking about like dinner. I'm like, oh shoot, I just totally missed what they said. Oh my God. You know, I get embarrassed. I'll be like, I'm not quite sure I understood. I mean, like there's live ways to come back, but you know, it's really, you know, again, it, it does require Attunement, I think, to yourself to recognize where you are when you lose your focus, bringing it back in, you know, and and sometimes it looks like misattunement, but it's like also with neurodivergence, it's understanding what's in front of us. So our brain also gets busy trying to synthesize. And so it's like. You know, we may be stuck on a cue that happened, you know, a minute ago, and we've missed some other things, and so we're like trailing behind, or we're like ten steps ahead, and it's like, well, wait, wait a second, you've just had this whole conversation without me and left me in the dust, you know, Mm -hmm. and missed what was actually going on. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I will, I'll take that on myself. I'll be like, you know what, I'm still thinking about something you said a minute ago can we go back there? Mm -hmm. And so I just own it. And, and often people will follow you back because uh, as long as, you know, interrupting well is uh, certainly an EFT skill that we work on, but to be able to, to, to kind of admit, Oh, I wasn't, I'm not attending to what you're telling me right now. I'm still back here. And that can be a way to, also it can be a way to interrupt the story that they, the content that they keep telling us. And then, and I love what you're saying. There's there's a huge part of being able to attune to ourselves and and having practices that we do, like mindfulness, like as you're driving or when you're talking with family, of coming back to the moment, coming back to the moment. So we have to be training ourselves to be noticing, you know, what am I feeling and what what does anxiety feel like in my body? So that when somebody tells me about their anxiety, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. Mm -hmm. So. I, I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about how do we help people learn to attune who've never learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've started beginning sessions with, I won't say all of my clients, but a lot of my clients with just like two minutes mm-hmm. of mind mindfulness, of like breathe with me, mm-hmm. notice and you know, do a brief body scan. And then I invite them, what did you notice? Because mm-hmm. I want them to learn with me as a guide how to mm-hmm. notice their own bodies so that when they're not with me, they've got a sense of, oh, this is what she means when she said, notice how you react, blah, 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 blah. blah. They have some sense of, oh, that it's what we do in session. I'm supposed to do that outside of session. Yeah.
0: I think that's so powerful is that attunement isn't just outwardly to our surroundings and the people around us. And that's a big part of it, but it's also attunement to ourself, like focusing on, on paying attention to what's happening inside of us. You know, how are we feeling? What are we thinking? How does that cause you know or affect the way that we show up or react in the moment? what do we do with those things you know and a lot of times we can be out of attunement with ourselves and and I think the cost of that can be giving mixed signals to the outside world, you know or having a lot of unclear signals because we don't even know what we're trying to say because we're not clear. we're not clear on what we're feeling and we don't know how to tune in and, and really check out and understand what we feel. You know, and sometimes paying attention to what we feel can also feel scary. And I think that can be another block if you aren't used to doing that or you're maybe afraid of what you might find out, you know, that can become certainly a, a barrier, you know, to attunement that can be worked through, of course. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. but it's that noticing of like, it might even be noticing of like, oh, I have a couple couples now who... Yeah, when it gets uncomfortable, I switch and talk to the partner. Oh, okay, maybe I need to start paying attention to this move I have and what's going on there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this is so amazing, Gretchen. I'm
0: just so yeah. appreciative for you and your wisdom. And so if if there's folks outside in the EFT community, you know, that would like to get
1: a training from you or follow you, like how can people find you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I am the trainer in Chicago and our website is chicagoeft.com. Super simple, chicagoeft.com. And so there's information about the the officially sanctioned trainings on there. We have an in-person externship in Chicago 2024. The last week of June is a beautiful time usually to be in Chicago. It's a great place to come When uh, training is going to be right in the heart of the city. So very close to the lake. So that would be really Fun place if for people who are like I'm done with online trainings. I want to do something in person. Please come to the externship June 2024. My website is life So it's relationship one works has an S on the it works plural that L I F E. Yeah, and you can contact me through that. Awesome, awesome.
0: So I'm so excited. I will make sure that I put the link for your website in Chicago EFT in the description for this video and. You know, if, if you're just somebody who's interested in receiving EFT therapy and you might be in the Chicago area, you know, you can certainly look up Gretchen and get in touch with you through your website so that they can work with you or yeah. maybe and
1: supervision as well. of love
0: working with Perfect. learning EFT yeah. yeah. or email you and invite you to come to their EFT home community for a training. On the <laughs> That'd be awesome. That Thank would be you. wonderful. Also happy to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today and just for the gift of your wisdom and and your expertise. So thank you so much. And thank you so much to our viewers for watching and staying tuned. Make sure you guys pick up my EFT book on uh, Relentless Empathy and the Therapeutic Relationship, working with challenging, connecting with challenging and Resistant clients. <laughs> I published it a while. It's such a long title. A long and
1: title, right. The
0: publisher made me change it, but you can get it on Amazon. Just type in on a Bogati Relentless Empathy on Amazon. You can get Sue Johnson endorsed it. And it's really awesome. Easy conversational read. But... Guys, make sure that you look up Gretchen and that you get in touch with her. And if you're interested about other EFT trainings, you can go to ISEFT, which is our head organization for EFT. If you want to come to Vegas and train with me, you can go to our Southern Southern Nevada EFT is a community I lead, snveft.com. Otherwise, guys, thank you for staying tuned and make sure that y'all hit subscribe because more videos are on the way. Don't forget to buy my book. Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients, for Helping Professionals, available on Amazon or on my website, www.drbugatti.com.